Well, good morning. We've met with Jesus already, haven't we? Amen. It is good to be with you. Glad you're here. I know that this is already, like we're already kind of hit into those deep zones, those deeper levels, those kind of stuff underneath. We're not on the surface level. We didn't start there and we're not going to we're not going to go back there either, I can tell you that, because we've got to keep digging in today, and so thank you for being here. Um, I'll just say this, we are in a series that we're starting today called FAQ, Frequently Asked Questions, and the reason we are calling it that particular uh, title is because all of the questions, we're going to spend the next seven weeks, believe it or not, talking about questions that are frequently asked of me or asked of our staff or asked just in general of Christianity and Christians all over. These are like the, some of the most frequently asked questions, things that we struggle with. Things, these are questions I'm sure that you have had in your life and in your faith. And, and, and let me just say this. These are not easy questions, okay? If they were easy questions and they had easy answers, people would not be asking these questions. These are questions that people ask all the time. And it's because they're hard. They're hard questions, and, they, and honestly, they don't really have answers. And whatever answers we have to give, they're maybe hard to take. I mean, that's just the truth. And so, in this series, as we talk about all of these different questions, what I would say is, these questions may be hard to understand, they may be hard to accept, they may be difficult to deal with. And these questions, these answers that we're going to talk about, um, they're just, yeah, they're answers, but they're going to be difficult. So, aren't you excited? What do you want? You want to know the first question after all of that ominousness, right? I don't even, uh, ominousness is not a word, but we're going to go with that. Okay, so uh, all of that ominous stuff aside, let's just say, let's jump into the first question. So today, the question is this, if God knows everything, why should we pray? Have you ever wondered that? Why are we praying if God already knows what I'm going to pray? Why do we talk to God and why do we listen to God if God already knows what we need? If God already knew like 15 years ago what happened and what's happening now and what's going to happen 15 years from now, what is the point of talking and listening to God? Have you ever wondered that? We're going to talk about that today. So here's the truth. Let me just start with a story. So a couple of summers ago, my family and I, we went to North Carolina, and one of the things that we did, we were down at the beach, and we, went, we drove down to Myrtle Beach one day. We like to go in like the little small town kind of beaches. We don't like to do Myrtle Beach, but we went down to Myrtle Beach to spend a day there just to visit. And one of the things that you could do at Myrtle Beach was do a zip line. You know, and uh, I don't know who, how many of you have been on a zipline, but I had never been on a zipline. So my oldest son, Jackson, and I, we wanted to do a zipline. And so we uh, bought the ticket, you know, and everything. And then you go into this little zone where they have it fenced off. And then you get into this harness, right? And the harness goes around here and it's tight and all this kind of stuff. And they have like 12,000 clips. And, and, then, and then they kind of go, 
you know, they cinch it up and you're going, oh yeah, okay, that, there it is, it's tight, you know. And, and, and so Jax and I are doing this. And then the next thing you do is you climb this huge tower to get to the top where the zip line goes across from this one tower to this other tower and it crosses this huge expanse of water that connects to the ocean. So it's kind of intimidating, honestly. And it's way up above the water. And you can kind of see, like, it's swampy. There's probably alligators in there. Like, it, you just, you don't want to go into that water, okay? That's, that's what it looks like. It's that kind of water. And, uh, and so Jackson and I get up there. And then, of course, in order to go on this zip line, you have to run off of the, the tower on this little platform that sticks out. And you have to run off of it. And it kind of goes down like this. And then you just let yourself go. And you you go all across this like way up and I mean the drop is it was like a 40 to 50 foot drop I mean it was he's like that's a long way down and you just and you're just free and you zip line across now here's why I tell that story why did Jackson and I do the zip line why did we do it okay there's two reasons one it was fun Right? And I actually have a picture of this. I was, I was actually there and did this zip line and, 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 and went across. And it was just, this is me. This was, I actually have a different picture where my arms and my, my legs are all splayed out. I'm like, woo! I'm showing off for the rest of the family that didn't do the zip line. Because they were on a bridge, like parallel to this. And they were all watching for us to go. And so when I figured out where they were and I spun around on the zip line, I was like, yeah! You know, I yelled at them. Made a fool of myself. They were like looking down like, who is that guy? And all that kind of stuff. But the question is, why did we do it? Well, we did it because it was fun. But there's a second reason why we were willing to do the zip line. That reason is that we trusted, we believed that the harness, that the cable, that the tower, and the people doing all this were good. We trusted that it was sound. We trusted that we could believe in them. And we trusted that it was all good, that it was strong. The same is true with prayer. Whether or not you pray is not if you have time. That's what people use for me, with me, all the time as an excuse. Well, it's hard to find the time. That's not why you don't pray. You'd like to think it is, but that's not why. We don't pray or we do pray because we believe or we trust that God is good. And that He actually hears us. That we can trust Him. That we can believe in Him. How often we pray or how often we don't pray, also has bearing on whether or not we trust, we believe in God. And so, here today, you can tell this is going to be a light and airy one, right? No, no, no. This is a tough question. If, if God knows everything, why should we even take the time to pray? Well, here's what I want to do today. I want to give you two reasons why you should pray. Are there a bunch of other reasons? Yes, there's a lot of other reasons, but I want to give you two good ones. Two really good reasons why you should pray. Even though God already knows what you're going to say, He already knows what you're feeling, He already knows what you're going through, He already knows all of that. Why should you even pray? Let me give you two reasons. Start with number one. This one you've probably heard before, but it's really important because I think it's misunderstood. The number one reason why we need to pray is because of relationships. Relationship between us and God. That's what prayer is. And what we all know is relationship doesn't just happen, does it? Just because my wife, Laura, knows that I love her doesn't mean I should never ever tell her that I love her or try to show her that I love her. 
right? Why? Because we need to have a relationship. Just the fact that she knows that I love her is not enough. I should actually try to spend some investment of time with her in relationship, right? Most of us would agree with that. The same is true with prayer. Prayer is our conduit. It is our bridge. It is our connection to God. Because here's something that we sometimes do. We sometimes think of God as somebody to believe in instead of somebody to be with. God is far more than something or someone to believe in. He is someone to be with. And He wants you with Him. Now, have you ever wondered this secondary question to this question? If, if, if God knows everything, why should we pray? Have you ever wondered this? Who is prayer for? Is prayer for you or is it for God? Like, why do we pray? Do we pray for God's benefit or do we pray for our benefit? Have you ever wondered that question? Some of you are like, no, but I'm wondering it now. I'm guessing we're going to talk about it. Yeah, we're going to talk about it because it's important. And the answer to that question is, it's both. It's actually both. It's definitely for human beings. Why? Because prayer is the way that we connect to God. It is us petitioning God. It is us requesting of God. It is us pouring ourselves out to God. So prayer is definitely for us. I think we understand that. But did you know that prayer is actually for God too? Why? Does, prayer, does God need prayer? No, he doesn't, but God desires prayer. You know why? Because he desires you to know him like he knows you. God desires to be in relationship with you. He doesn't need a relationship with you. He doesn't. He's already perfect in, in the Trinitarian God. He's, his, he's got all that he needs. He always has. He doesn't need a relationship with you. He wants a relationship with you. Isn't that better? If I told Laura, I was like, I just really need you, so I, we should get married because I need you. I don't think that that's going to be exciting for her. Of course not. No, God, prayers for God, God wants us to know Him like He knows us. He already knows everything about you, but He wants you to know Him intimately. He really does. Now, let's talk about this relationship thing. In fact, let me give you an example from Scripture. Let's go to the very first book of the Bible, Genesis. God has just created the first man and the first woman, Adam and Eve, and, uh, and God gives them, you guys remember, we talked about this a lot two weeks ago, didn't we? God creates the first man and the first woman, and uh, Adam and Eve places them in this perfect garden, and then he says, you can do one, all these things, but you can't do one thing. The one thing you can't do is you can't eat the fruit from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. It's the one thing you can't do. You can do anything. All this other, yeah, this garden is yours. Have at it. Man, this is awesome. But you can't eat the fruit from that tree. And what did Adam and Eve do? They ate the fruit from that one tree. Are you kidding me? And at that moment, what happened? Sin entered their lives and entered our world forever. Until God takes care of it in the future. But sin entered our world. And so, Last two weeks ago, we talked a lot about the conversation that God had with Adam and Eve and the serpent. You remember that? We talked a lot about that. But here's what I want to do today. I want to go actually a little further back in the story, and I want to talk about what happened right after they sinned 
immediately. This is before they had the conversation. Let me read for you what happens. Genesis 3, starting with verse 8. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, must have been Wisconsin in the summer, right? Very nice. When the cool evening breezes were blowing, the man, Adam, and his wife, Eve, heard the Lord God walking about in the garden. So they hid from the Lord God among the trees. (laughs) Have you ever tried to hide from God? Let me just say, if you're going to try to hide from somebody, God's not the one you want to try to hide from. Hide and seek's not going to go well. All right, but they did. Then the Lord God called to the man, where are you? He replied, I heard you walking in the garden, so I hid. I was afraid because I was naked. Who told you that you were naked? The Lord God asked. Have you eaten from the fruit, whose, uh, from the tree whose fruit I commanded you not to eat? <laughs> now, just if you think about this, just think about what I just read. Because sometimes we read it, and some of you, you've read this story so many times, it just, we just breeze past. I want you to think about this for a minute. God just asked Adam and Eve three different questions. He said, where are you? Now, let me ask you this question. God is God, which means He knows everything, which means what? Does He know, like, does he, is He actually looking for Adam and Eve, or does He know where they're hiding? Have you ever played with little kids, like hide-and-seek with little kids, and they're like, you know, they're hiding behind like a, a bucket or something? And you're like, where are they? And they're like, <laughs> so if you, not only can you see them, but you can hear them. And you're like, oh, where'd they go? And they're like, <laughs> you know, this is how I see like Adam and Eve. Like they're hiding behind trees and God's like, really? I'm God. I know everything. I see you. But it's almost like God is playing along where are you? <laughs> you know? God knew where they were. He's not asking because he doesn't know. And then think about the other two questions. Who told you you were naked? God knows. Nobody told them. Sin told them. God already knows. He doesn't have to ask the question because he doesn't know. He already knows. And then he has a third question. He says, did you guys eat the fruit that I told you not to? God already knows they did. So the question I have for you is this. Why is God asking them the questions? Have you thought about that? Why is he asking the questions? Let me tell you why he's asking them the questions. Because of relationship. Here's exactly what God was doing. God is giving Adam and Eve as early an opportunity as he possibly can for them to say out loud what they're doing and what they're doing wrong. Because let's be honest, as human beings, we know it is very powerful and very important sometimes for us to say out loud what we're doing and what we're doing wrong. We make our kids do it, don't we? I hope you do. When they do something wrong, make sure that they say out loud so that you know they know what they did wrong. Because you know what they did wrong. You don't need to know what they did wrong. You already know. This is exactly what's going on here. God knew what Adam and Eve were doing was wrong. He already knew that they committed sin. He's giving them an opportunity. Catch this. This is amazing. God is very in the very first moment, the very first moment, right out of the gate, 
God is giving Adam and Eve an opportunity to get redemption, to redeem the relationship that was just broken. Why? Because God loves them so desperately. He says, our relationship is broken, but I want to get it back. He gave them an opportunity for redemption right away by asking them these questions. See, the, the really only answer for why we pray if God knows everything the only answer is because of relationship. It really is. It's the only answer. It's the way that God relates to us and we relate to God. It's, it's, it's the conduit. It's the bridge. It's the connection between us and God. It's a relationship. It's the only healthy answer. Now, here's what I wanted to do. And I admitted this is the first service. I'm going to admit it to you guys. When I was going through this, as I was thinking, as I was praying, as I was considering what God wanted us to talk about in this question, here's what I want to do. After I just said what I just said just now, I was going to move on to point number two, reason number two. Some of you were like, hmm, that sounds good. Yeah, I think we can. Here's the problem. God said, nope, you can't. I'm serious. He said that. I was like, okay. And you know what he told me to talk about right now? It's something that I don't want to talk about. He said, I want you to give two unhealthy reasons why people pray. I was like, oh, that seems meddling. That's what I thought. You know, I, uh, can I just be honest with you? Sometimes, I don't do this physically with God, but sometimes when I'm preparing for these kind of things, I'm sitting there and I'm praying and I'm kind of typing things out or putting things or writing things down. Sometimes I'm writing, sometimes I'm typing. And I'm just thinking through like what God wants to do. And every now and then God will bring me something and say, I, I think you really need to probably address this. And I go, hmm. You ever do that? I do that. I don't physically do it, but in my spirit, I'm kind of like, oh man, I don't want to. But I think we need to. God says to. So let's do it. So the healthy reason is for relationship. What are a couple of unhealthy? These are not the only unhealthy reasons, but two unhealthy reasons. Okay, the first one. The first unhealthy reason why we pray is because we feel like we have to. It's a duty, it's a to-do, it's a task. A lot of us pray because we know we're supposed to, and that's why we do it. Well, that's a terrible reason. You know why I can say that? Let's, let's say, for example, uh, I go to my wife, Laura, and I say, I love you. And she says, well, thank you. I love you too. Why are you telling me right now? Because I have to. I know I'm supposed to do it. So I just, I'm just, I'm checking it off. I said it today. I'll tell you again tomorrow. Because we're supposed to. How's that going to feel? How's, you think my wife Laura is going to be like, man, thank you. Let's go to dinner because I am feeling the love right now. No, right? That's going to make things worse, not better. Why? Because it's a to-do thing. It's a check it off. It's a post-it note. It's like, I'm going to do these things and I'm going to check them off. Prayer is not, cannot be a check off to-do thing. In fact, this is partly why sometimes we get into scripted, rote prayers. I know, I'm digging into some serious territory here now. But like, for example, the Lord's Prayer. Okay? The disciples, you can read this in Scripture. The disciples, why do we have the Lord's Prayer? It's because the disciples asked Jesus, Jesus, teach us how to pray. And then Jesus 
tells them, okay, this is how you should pray. And then he rattles off this prayer, right? And so he says this. Now, we have since called it the Lord's Prayer. I don't think we should have done that, by the way. That's my opinion, but I don't, I don't think we should have called it the Lord's Prayer. But, but we call it the Lord's Prayer. And, and Jesus says, this is how you should pray. And then he says the prayer. And here's what I don't think. This, I, I, think I don't think that Jesus was thinking in that moment, Here's what I really want to happen with this prayer. I really want them to memorize it and then rattle it off every day without really thinking about it. In fact, sometimes we'll do it together, and I definitely want them to do it in the King James Version every time. I know, I may have stepped on some toes in a moment there, right? But that, I don't think that that's, I don't think Jesus was like, okay, and this is how you should pray. Whenever you pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it... Like, just to rattle it off. Now, please understand, I'm not saying that written, memorized prayers are bad. I'm not saying that the Lord's prayer is bad. I'm not even saying that memorizing it is bad. And I'm not even saying that saying it, reciting it sometimes as a group, as a church, is not a good... I, I think it's a good thing at times. Here's what I am saying, though. If all you ever do with your prayers are scripted, kind of right words and kind of cleaned up language, then that is wrong. For sure. Here's why. Because God doesn't want scripted prayers from you. Let me try to illustrate this. So how many of you would prefer, let's say, I don't know, let's just say you go to a restaurant, right? You go, you go to a restaurant, and uh, let's say it's a sit-down restaurant, okay? And you go and sit down at the restaurant, and the server comes over. And the server's not a new server. He or she, doesn't matter. But the server's not new. They've been there for 15 years. They know exactly what they're doing. But the server walks up to your table and, and pulls out a card. Hello. Welcome to such and such place. We are so glad that you have decided to join us today. These are the specials. What can I get for you today? How many of you are going to love that? Right? Versus a server that comes up and looks you in the eye and says, Hey, how are we doing today? So uh, this is awesome to have you here. I love that shirt. That shirt is amazing. That's awesome. So I just wanted to let you know kind of our specials for today. This is, this is what we've got. Okay, cool. That's awesome. Um, uh, and I just, uh, I, I love this, but whatever you guys want to order would be awesome. So how can I help you? Now, let me just ask you, which one is better? How many of you want a script? Or how many of you want real? I think we know what we want. It's, has anybody ever said, can I be real with you? Can I be honest? How many of you have responded with that and said, uh, no. I'd prefer you to be fake. I'd like us to be fake right now. In fact, you know what I'd really like you to do? I would like you to convince me of something that you definitely would never do, but make it sound like it is something you do and deceive me and, and steer me down a terrible path. I would really like us to live in fake zone right now. So don't be real, don't be honest, let's be surfacey. How many of you have responded that way? No? I didn't think so. God doesn't want it either. God doesn't want scripted either. 
Be honest with him. If you're angry, tell him. If you're depressed, tell him. If you're scared, tell him. If you're worried, tell him. God can handle it. Why are you trying to clean it up? He already knows. Don't be like Adam and Eve. Hiding, we hide in our prayers. And God is like, I see you. I see what you're really thinking. Just say it out loud. I know what you're really doing here. You don't mean what you're saying. Tell me what's really going on. Why? Because he wants a relationship with you. Be real. Be honest. It's not a checkoff. It's not a to-do. It's not a task. Be real. Be honest with God. That's what he wants. So that's the first unhealthy reason why we pray. What's the second one? This one is actually harder than the first one. And if we were going to be honest, these, this is not something that we probably ever say out loud, but we pray this way all the time. I do. I know I'm guilty of this. Sometimes we pray to change God's mind. Sometimes we pray, sometimes we pray to change God's plan to fit our plan. Don't we? Sometimes we try to get God to adjust His plan to match what we think our plan needs to be or is. Let me give you an example of this from Scripture. Abraham did this to God. So Abraham uh, knows, he heard from God, that he's going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah, two cities, because they were evil. And Abraham is feeling, you know, compassion for the people. And so he prays to God and he says, God, if you find 50 righteous people in the cities, would you spare them? And God says, yes. And so Abraham's like, oh, okay, well, that went well. Okay, good. And then Abraham goes back to God and he says, okay, well, God, uh, forgive me, uh, but if, I, if you find 45 people that are righteous, would you spare the city? And God says, yes. And then Abraham goes down, he goes 40, and then I can't remember all the numbers. He ends up 30, maybe 20. And then the last number, I do know this, he ends up at 10. And Abraham just praying back and forth to God. He and God are going back and forth. And Abraham gets to 10, he says, God, let me just ask, if you find 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, would you spare the city? And God says, yes. Now, my question to you is this. Was Abraham changing God's mind? The answer is no. God already knew that there were no righteous people in the cities and that they would have to be destroyed. You can't change God's mind in prayer because God is perfect and perfectly good, and if you change God's mind, then He wouldn't be God. That's the truth. We can't change God's mind. Let's say that Brent is praying a prayer, and I'm trying to get God to kind of see it my way. 
But God, maybe you don't have all the facts. Maybe you're not quite understanding. But you don't understand what I'm asking for. We bargain, don't we? Of course we do. We're human. And we bargain with God. And let's say I'm praying and I change God's mind. The problem with that is that I have just changed God from being perfect and being perfectly good to being something less than that. I can't do that. Because God can't, won't, shouldn't change. We don't think of it that way, do we? So one of the unhealthy reasons why we pray sometimes is to change God's mind, but we have to understand we can't change God's mind. We just can't do that. All right. So now we can move on to reason number two. All right. Some of you are like, thank you. (laughs) So the first reason is because why do we pray? If God knows everything, why do we pray? Because it's a relationship thing. Because God wants you to be real with Him. Be honest. But then there's a second reason. And this reason is something that right away when I say it, you're going to get it. We get it, but we sometimes don't want to get it. And this reason is because the picture is bigger than we can see. The picture is always bigger than our eyes, our heart, our mind can actually fathom, can understand. The picture is so much bigger than we can understand. It's just huge. And, the fa- and let me ask, ask this question. I'm assuming you guys have felt this, but I don't know. Have you ever felt like God never is answering your prayer? Have you ever felt that way? Man, I've felt that way. I have felt that way a lot in the last few weeks, even. Sometimes it feels like my prayer goes up, and it hits the ceiling, and it comes back down. Anybody ever feel that way? I sometimes feel that way. Sometimes it feels like the prayer goes up, it hits the ceiling, comes back down. And sometimes it feels like, I don't know about you, but it sometimes feels like I'm waiting on God a long time. Anybody feel like they're waiting on God? They're like, man, I've been praying about this for like 20 years, or 30 years. I don't feel like I've gotten an answer from God. Anybody feel like they're waiting on God? Well, let me give you some examples from Scripture because front to back, this book, Scripture, is packed with people who are waiting on God. Let me give you three examples. Abraham and Sarah. Remember what God's promise to them was? God promised Abraham and Sarah, I'm going to make you a great nation. And then what happened after that promise? They waited decades for their first kid. Right? It's like, you're going to be this amazing nation, the nation of Israel. It's going to be awesome. And then like decades later, Sarah's going, uh, Abraham, did you, are you sure you heard God right? <laughs> Seriously. Because we don't have any kids. Did you notice? It's kind of hard to have a nation if you don't have the first one. Right? They had to wait on God a long time. Joseph, same thing. God gives Joseph a dream, and in the dream he says, Joseph, you're going to be an amazing, powerful ruler. But Joseph had to wait most of his life. His brothers tried to kill him, eventually sold him into slavery. Joseph works his way up in Egypt, but then he's thrown into prison for a crime that he didn't commit, for being faithful to God. He gets thrown into prison, and I'm sure Joseph is saying, God, when's that dream going to come true? Not getting any younger here. Waiting on God. And then the disciples. (laughs) Think about the disciples. How long did the disciples of Jesus wait for Jesus to overthrow the Romans? You know how long they did? Their whole life. 
it never happened in their life. You know why? Because Jesus didn't come to overthrow the Romans. He came to overthrow sin. See, sometimes it feels like we're waiting on God, but the truth is all that's happening is the picture's incomplete. Let me try to illustrate this a little bit more. I used this example just this last week in, in, our, in my life group. So consider these two prayers from two different people on the same day. There's a farmer. We have a lot of farmers in our, in our church. There's a farmer. He's praying for rain. It's been dry for months. All he needs or all she needs is rain to grow the crops. Desperately needs it. And so this farmer prays fervently, passionately for rain. But then on the same day, there's a senior in high school. He plays baseball. And his last game of his senior year has been pushed all the way to the end to now, if they can't play the game today, they will not be able to make up the game and he's already played his last game and all the to-do that you do for seniors, all kind of stuff, that's not going to happen. And this is all he wants to do. He's not going to play in college and this is it. This is his last time. And so you know what he's praying for? He's praying passionately and fervently for the sun to come out and for it to be a dry, beautiful day so that his game, his last one, is not canceled. Hmm. Two prayers, neither one of them selfish, neither one of them bad, but very incomplete in their picture, right? See, God sees everything. He knows the prayers of every person. He knows the needs of every person. And He knows, he knows what's around not only the next corner in your life, he knows, around, he knows what's around every corner of your life. And by the way, he knows all 8 billion people in their corners. The picture is huge. And God is the only one that knows it. So, let me encourage you, before we get to our last little scripture here, let me encourage you to remember two words when you are praying. Because prayer is important. It is a relationship thing. But these two words both start with the letter P, just like the word prayer. But remember these two words. Patience and persistence. Patience and persistence. You have to pray patiently and you have to pray persistently. I don't know about you, but I'm not good at being patient. Sometimes persistent, but not patient. My wife thought I was patient. I've told this before. And then she realized I'm just slow. That's what she says. She says that to me out loud. She has said that to me out loud many times in my life. She said, you know, I, I really thought you were patient. I realized you're just slow. You're just so slow. It's true. I am painfully slow in life, right? She's halfway to the store. I'm still in the car. I'm, I'm just making sure I got my wallet. I dropped my phone, you know, whatever. Her, her most often question to me is, what are you doing? Most, on, most often question in our marriage, what are you doing? Seriously. Patience is not something that sometimes comes easily. We have to, when we pray, we have to be patient, we have to be persistent. Why? Because God wants us to be real, but He also wants us to trust His goodness and His plan. Let me give you one last example from Scripture of one of the most amazing prayers because it illustrates brutal honesty and complete trust in God. You know who I'm going to use? King David. 
King David has great prayers. If you want some amazing prayers, go to the book of Psalm. Okay? So I want to read for you Psalm 13. It's a prayer of David that was recorded. So listen to what David says. David prays this. He prays, How long, Lord, will you forget me forever? That's pretty brutal. That's pretty honest. How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? Listen to what David says in this moment, in this prayer. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Did you you notice a little bit of combativeness there? (laughs) No, I mean, seriously, like, if you're talking to kids and and you want them to hear you, what do you do sometimes? This is, I know this is what, I'm like, look at me in the eyes. I say this about weekly to my kids. Look at me in the eyes. Seriously, look at me. I want your attention. This is what David is doing to God. He says, God. Would you look at me? I don't feel like, I feel like you're elsewhere. I feel like you're somewhere else. It's driving me crazy. Would you just look at me? Doesn't it feel that way? You know why David says that? Because he's frustrated. He's angry. He's upset. And he's telling God exactly how he feels. Why? Because God wants us to be real. Listen to what he says. Look on me and answer, Lord my God. Give light to my eyes or I will sleep in death. And my enemy will say I have overcome him. And my foes will rejoice when I fall. But listen to how he ends. But I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. See, David gets it. His life was not perfect, but completely the opposite of that. He had a ton of hardship in his life. But David was honest with God. And he also trusted God. And this prayer is a great example of that. God doesn't want our fake, nicely worded prayers. He wants us to be real to be honest, and to trust that His plan, even though we may not understand it and we may not like it, His plan is good. So I can't think of a better way to end than to end how we're going to end. We're not going to bring the the worship team back up like we normally do and sing a final song. We're not going to do that. You guys know we told you we're going to show a video of what God did a few weeks ago in our Reveal Sunday. So that's what we're going to do. But before we do that, let me just say, those of you that were here, you know, this is why we brought the mountain back out. We have all the tokens. We have all these tokens over there to indicate hundreds of people. This represents hundreds of people in different families who made commitments to fast, to sacrificially give of their money, of their wealth, and to pray for a long time and over the next two years. And then, you guys know, but just over a month ago, we came together on Reveal Sunday and we revealed to everybody all the things that God did. And what was amazing is, of course, like we kind of moved up the ladder and we talked about how many people prayed, how many people fasted, and, and how many people... Be- God did some amazing things 
And again, when we pray, when we collectively together as a church go together in one movement and we say we're all going to seek God together, we're all going after this relationship with God at the same time, power of things happen. Lives were transformed, lives were changed, people heard God in different ways than they never heard Him before. The stories are still popping up. We have some of them recorded, we haven't heard all of them. In fact, Mandy, she mentioned we're having baptism Sunday here in uh, two, three weeks, whatever it is, May 7th. It's the first time we've ever done baptism in the spring. The reason we're doing that is because so many people wanted to say, I feel like God wants me to get baptized. So we're like, okay, let's do a baptism. Let's, let's do this again. But what better way to celebrate what God can do when we come together as a church and seek relationship with Him than to see what he does and what the results of it is. And so, this video, we had some amazing people capture that day on video, and then they put it together, they kind of captured it and put it all together. And so the video is about six minutes long, we're going to watch it, and then I'm going to pray, we're out of here. That's how we're going to end. But just take this as a moment to celebrate what only God can do, because there's a lot of work that went behind this, but none of this happens unless we listen and obey what God tells us to do. So for a moment, for the next few moments, let's just celebrate what God did and what God is doing over the next two years as we continue in this Yes campaign. All right? So take a look, and then I'll pray us out of here. What is more pleasing to the Lord, your burnt offerings and sacrifices or your obedience to His voice? Listen, obedience is better than sacrifice, and submission is better than offering the fat of rams. Now, that's kind of harsh to read right after a campaign where what did we all just do? Including my wife and I and our staff and everybody in our church, we just sacrificed a lot, didn't we? We sacrificed to fast, and we sacrificed to pray, and we sacrificed to do all these things, and we sacrificed financially. We're like, man, we just finished sacrificing, and the first thing you do is you read a scripture that says obedience is better than sacrifice. I'm sorry. I love you guys. But the truth is that obedience is better than sacrifice. You know why you sacrificed? Because you first obeyed. Why did we start with a spiritual journey where we fasted and where we prayed and we did all those things? You know why we did that first? Because you need to hear God's voice first as to what you're supposed to sacrifice and then obedience leads to something in a powerful and amazing way, which is what brings us to this point, this moment. So here's what I want to do. I want to reveal to you the ways that we heard God and the sacrifices that we made as a church. All of this came out of obedience. We've been holding this secret for the last, you know, two, three weeks. And you know what I want you to do? I want you to tell as many people as you can about it. Because God is awesome. And people need to hear what God did. And make sure you give glory to God. 186 is how many people committed in some way, shape, or form to go through the spiritual journey. So just shy of 200 people, which is amazing. Remember, all of that we did so that we can obey God, so we can hear God's voice. But then it also led to the sacrifices that we were going to make financially. You guys know that we hired a company, an organization called Enjoy. And one of the things that they did, though, is they take a lot, all of our giving... And they plug that into their equations and they plug that into their, you know, all their formulas. And it spits out based on math and science 
the numbers that we should be able to expect as a church. So on a low level, they said 300,000. On a mid-range level, 450,000. And on a high range, 600,000. I shared this a few weeks ago. When I shared those numbers, Ryan and Crystal Doslek had their son Blake here. He was sitting right over here. He heard me reveal those numbers and we got a text from his mom, from Crystal, later that day. Blake felt like the numbers you shared today were easily achievable and wrote new goals. He put as a high, a million dollars. It's pretty awesome though, isn't it? A six-year-old believing what God can do. One more number before the last one. Throughout the campaign, we had 129 total giving units that gave to this campaign. That's awesome. But there were some kids and some teenagers that wanted to give above and beyond out of their own giving apart from their family. And just understand that most of that equates to families. And so this is hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people that sacrifice for this. It's pretty awesome. So, you guys want to know the number? Have we built it up in us? What we're going to do is we're going to reveal the number one digit at a time. Do you like drama or not? Like, I do. We have a dollar. Isn't that awesome? God, I pray that you would now take this as a church. God, you have blown us out of the water. There's no way we should have been able to do this. Help us to be faithful, to chase and run, as Jess said earlier, after you, to follow you with every ounce that's in us, and to show people how much we love you and how much we love people, and help us to point people to Jesus. And so God, with great blessing comes great responsibility. I believe the best is yet to come. Move on us, shake us, wreck us, and help us to do even more and greater things in the days ahead. We pray this in your name, Jesus. And everyone said, Amen. God bless you. saying yes. God did amazing, amazing, amazing things, and he's still doing them. Amen? So, let me pray us out of here. God, as we leave from this place, the truth is that with great blessing comes great responsibility. And so now as we go from this place, Lord, I ask 
And I pray, Lord, would you just completely go with us, remind us that you are there with us, and that when we leave, remind us, God, that we carry your love, your grace, your salvation with us as we go, and that as we go, as we go into the rest of this day, into this week, as we go to our various workplaces, school, classrooms, everywhere we go, we carry the light of life, the light of you, Jesus. And so help us to boldly, courageously proclaim and live out loud your love and your faithfulness to us. Because great blessing brings us great responsibility. So help us to take it, run with it, and honor you with it, with our lives. We pray this and we ask this in the name of Jesus. Amen. I love you. God loves you. We'll see you.